Watch that great movie about her with Renee Zellweger playing her. It's pretty good. Check it out. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I think it's on Hulu. It's oh. called Judy. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Wow. All right, let's check this out. Somewhere Ooh. Over the rainbow, way it's like immediately I don't remember the meter or timing being like this strange. I know. It's almost like she doesn't even hear the underscore. Right. She's just like going for it. It's so like crazy. It's like that's the best way to write a melody too. Is just have like an octave jump in the yeah. first. Or like any interval, that's really good. That's true. Dreams that you dare to dream really do. Yeah, she's just like singing whatever the hell she wants. Yeah, she's in her own world, and the band is in their own world. <laughs> They're like trying to make it make sense, and it does. It does. I always think of this era of like music is kind of interesting because we're so used to having a beat tie everything together nowadays. And like, I don't hear any drums. Right? No. No. It's like the bass is kind of keeping the time. Yeah. She obviously can't hear it. <laughs> I wonder what the musicians on this track thought. Like if it was going to be what it turned into. Yeah. What year is this? <laughs> Gotta get my notes out. 50s? Honestly, I didn't even see. I gotta, I gotta check that out right now. So it makes me wonder, like, did they do it live or was it an overdub? Ooh. Ooh, a little distortion oh. on the mic. No, October 7th, 1938. Oh my so, god. So, like, we talk about pre World War. <laughs> that is too musical. Recording. I kind of give them a little bit more benefit of the doubt. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah. It was recorded at MGM Studios. So it probably was just like live in the movie. It was definitely they a probably, live. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Listen to This, a podcast in which we explore songs we like, we research what they mean, how they were recorded, why they were in, why we like them, and why you should listen to this. Today we're talking about a song that is truly special in the canon of popular and film music, and that song is Over the Rainbow. It's been covered by actually thousands of artists, Definitely. which I think is really crazy Definitely. to say. But it was first performed by the legendary Judy Garland. Written by Harold Allen with lyrics by the greatest name we've had on this podcast, Yip Harburg. Love it. Love it. <laughs> he yep. sounds, doesn't he sound like an offensive line coach for like LSU? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> the guys just love playing for Yip Harburg. Right, right, right. The guy's a hard ass, but he's fair. Right. <laughs> it was written for, the song was written for the movie uh, Wizard of Oz. It was the last song written for the film. In fact, Arlen was really feeling the pressure because he couldn't. He like didn't have like a corner corner piece song to like yeah. really center their movie around. And the the inspiration eventually came, according to him. Quote: I said to my wife, "Let's go to Grauman's Chinese, which is that Chinese theater um, where all the dudes dress up like Superman." Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah in L.A. Yeah. One time, I remember this like, total side side note here, but I I was like playing a bunch of shows in L.A. around the time the Falcons lost the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and I had my like Falcons NFC Championship sh- shirt, and I was walking to the to uh, a gig 
with my bass through the hills over to um, past that Chinese theater. And some dude was screaming at me because of my Falcon shirt. He's like, you're a fucking loser. <laughs> fucking loser. <laughs> so I, I always think of that when I think of that theater. You're just like walking to a gig. You're like, what the fuck? I was just, I was so accosted. But honestly, we blew it so bad in that Super Bowl. I kind of was like, yeah, you're right, you're, man. Yeah, you're I shouldn't right. be wearing this shit. Yeah, wow. <laughs> um, so then he said, let's go to Grauman's Chinese quote. You drive the car. I don't feel too well right now. I wasn't thinking of work. I wasn't consciously thinking of work. I just wanted to relax. And as we drove by Schaub's drugstore on Sunset, I said, pull over, please. We stopped, and I really don't know why, bless the muses. I took out a little bit of manuscript and put down what you now know as Over the Rainbow. So really cool, like, when inspiration just comes out of nowhere. And I think this is, like, a misconception when people think of, like, the creative process. Because, like, that story makes it sound like he wasn't working on that music. But it's like, if you're a musician, you're always working on music. Yeah, yeah, you never really clock in or clock out. Your brain is always yeah. thinking about it. Which now pe- other people totally understand because like there's no separation between work and home life anymore. You're right. So it's like people are get, starting to understand like if you're always working, you're never not working. You're right. Even when you're when you're like trying to relax, like your brain is still kind of like going over all these ideas. Yeah, it's like you have to work to relax now. I think my favorite part of that little s- statement too is that He's like, I took out a little bit of manuscript. Yeah, it's he, like he's I like told her to pull over. He's like, <laughs> he's like pulled over. He like took out paper and like started writing music. Like now we just like sing into like voice yeah. memo. You're like, oh, great idea. Or like you just produce a beat in the car. Yeah. And it's like back then he's like, I have a great idea. The muses. Yeah. And it's like, it, it's, it's interesting how well it fits with the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, which like, you know, we all know Wizard of Oz. It's kind of ethereal. You know, yeah. it's like, is it a dreamland or some weird interdimensional, you know, side galaxy? Who knows? It, but it is, it, the lyrics and everything fit with how the story kind of goes. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah, he did a really good job with this song. I mean, that like, the lyrics are cool. I think they're really good. They're like, they don't even sound cheesy, even though no. the song's been used. Like, this song could... It feels like it almost could be cheesy as hell. I mean, there's covers but, that make it cheesy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So know? let's talk about some of the covers. Let's get into it. First of all, like, why do you think this song continues to be so powerful to audiences and why people, like, want to cover it so much? I think it really is, like, the melody is so good. Yeah. I think It's people, really well-written yeah, melody. it's so well-written. I think the words are so well-written. Mm-hmm. And it's honestly been a staple in, you know— our like media life, like yeah. with it being in like one of the biggest movies of all time. And then with like your favorite artists constantly covering it constantly, it yeah. just continues to be reborn and introduced to new generations. It's pretty much the most recognizable jazz standard. Yeah. I right. Maybe so. this or like fly me to the moon. Yeah. That's another good one. Yeah. <laughs> Putting on the Ritz. Yeah. We should make a, we should do a whole episode just about like funny jazz standards. Um, of the lyrics, Yip Harburg said that his inspiration was, you'll love this quote, a little girl who was in trouble and wanted to get away from Kansas, a dry, arid, colorless place. She had never seen anything colorful in their life except the rainbow. So it's basically wow. the part in the movie. Yeah. But it's like, I think this is the time when color is introduced in the film, right? It's yeah. like black and white and then it becomes color. And like yeah. back in the in the 19, the days of the 1938, that was like a big fucking flex. Oh, dude. Yeah. Like, color? That's right. It was like, yeah, it's like you're the best CGI you could have today. <laughs> like 3D movie, you know? That is a cool part of the movie. Man, um, initially Louis B. Mayer, who's the mayor of MGM, 
thought the song slowed down the movie and demanded it was to be deleted. Wow. Yeah. Everyone thought he was an idiot, though. What are you? An idiot sandwich. Idiot sandwich what? An idiot sandwich, Chef Ramsay. Wow. And you know what? He was. He was. Yeah. All-time idiot for that take. Yeah. That, that's crazy. Like, uh, it's crazy because, like, you can have a brilliant song. You can have a really great performance. Like, she sings this song really, really well. Um, the band sounds pretty good. They're they're doing their best to keep up with whatever right. the hell she's doing. It's the thirties, but it's just like uh, like a one business suit dude could just be like, nah, yeah, and, it. and then it's done, and then no, and then we don't get the fat guy playing the ukulele, right? <laughs> <laughs> this it, it's like I can't tell if this song is more popular than the Wizard of Oz. That's another thing because on the, I would say it's not. It's not because on this season we've done a few songs that are like more popular than the movies yeah. that they were like written for, yeah. like "Endless Love," yeah, and "Call Me" by Blondie from yeah. American Gigolo. But you think "Wizard of Oz" is still more popular than the song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I could be wrong, <laughs> but I do. I think "Wizard of Oz" is still isn't it crazy? A we're, staple. We're talking about a song that's like almost a hundred years old. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, was it like ninety something? Eighty six. My whatever. like backwards math is so bad. <laughs> Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, like, how do you how do you think they recorded this vocal? This was all Take City, right? Take City, man. So this was probably just like a a band and her singing, and like they had a microphone for the band. Yeah, and and they just had a microphone for her. Yeah, and let's that's see. so cool. Well, let's see when Fly Me to the Moon came out. It's like nowadays you just record shit on a computer, and then you like sort of figure out where it all fits. But like back then, you like had to do all the fitting and mixing in your performance, which I think is really cool. Yeah, it really it really was the the performance, you know. Let's see if this comes up. There's so many versions of "Fly Me to the Moon." It's like hard to find. Yeah, yeah. So same with "Over the Rainbow." Like when you when you go to Google, it's like it's almost become that dude is is his is like the most famous version now. I think. I would say so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's got a really good one. I like. I mean, obviously the Frank Sinatra, mm-hmm. like that's a classic one, you know. Yeah, yeah. I really like the uh, Bill Frisell versions. Of oh, I'm sure those Over are the Rainbow. Trippy. They're really weird. Yeah, I think he gets it. He gets that like euphoric. Like, what's what's cool about this song is that it does feel like euphoric and and wistful, but at the same time, it's kind of depressing. Right. You're just like, wow. I'm like, I'm not. I'm not with the color. Right. So I think maybe people can really relate to that thing about the song. Fly Me to the Moon's not until the 50s. So yeah, a whole yeah. another 15 years. So yeah. it's definitely like, who knows how even many microphones, how, how big of a recording console they could have at that time. Yeah, exactly. It's like maybe the symphony is two microphones <laughs> and then she has one microphone. I like think, it's, it could be just three microphones. You I know? think that's cool though. That like makes the song feel more like, and like this is a word that I think I just learned like probably ten years ago, but diegetic. Oh wow! Right? Yeah. So, that, so like it makes it sound like the music is less of a production that it's more like part of the actual movie. Mm-hmm. Like she can, and like that makes sense because she's like a young girl. She doesn't totally. There's no way she can hear like a complete symphony in her head. So if she's like, if it's a dream thing, it makes sense that the orchestra is a bit like muted. Yeah, I'm. 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 The more I like think about it and go down the rabbit hole, the more I'm like, I like the disconnect between the symphony and the vocal performance. Yeah, yeah. And diegetic also makes me think of L. Ron Hubbard's Dianetics. Oh, uh, what's that? That's the book that L. Ron Hubbard wrote about Scientology. Oh, I gotta read it. I'm kind of into cults right now. Yeah, I'm going through a thing. Dianetics. <laughs> that dude was fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. I bet he liked the song though. You think he ever covered it? There's definitely a cover of him like 
definitely playing like sax. <laughs> Does he actually play sax? No, I don't know. I'm he's, making that shit he's, up. I feel like cult leaders play the piano and they like learn like one Beethoven piece and then they tell everyone like they could have been like a concert pianist. Like, or, or a god. Yeah, they're like, yeah. I fumble my way through Moonlight Sonata. Oh, you know, it's not, I don't really take it seriously. It's like I'm the chosen. only thing they ever fucking learned. Right. <laughs> Thanks so much, y'all, for listening to this podcast. Please tell your people about this podcast in real life. We're on Instagram, Patreon. We got a playlist on Spotify with all the songs and episodes from season one and season two. Let us know how we're doing and what songs you want us to do episodes about. Thanks so much for listening to this.